0: Welcome to the Value Driven Brand Podcast, where you'll learn insights on how to communicate with authenticity, deliver genuine value, and create a memorable experience across your entire customer journey, helping your business become the sought-after leader in your industry. I'm your host, Aileen Day. Now, on to the show. G'day everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Value Driven Brand Podcast. I am your host, Aileen Day, and today I am joined by the wonderful, most special Janine Fucking Baker.
1: You can always just say Dr Janine if you like It's easier. I'm <laughs> fine <Along> with that. <laughs> no, bakehausen. Bake- bakehausen. Bakehausen. House. And if you don't get house. it right, it doesn't matter. Like, oh, honestly, oh, not a house. House. It's, it's totally fine. Not a big deal. No, but you I want people to say your name right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, house. Got to say. Yeah, bakehausen. Yeah, it's a house. House. Okay. It actually means little – bake actually means brook and hausen is actually small house. So it actually does mean little brook, little house by the brook. So oh, my bake-house. God, that is so cool. <laughs> What's strange that? Dutch people. Bakehausen. They're so literal, aren't they? <laughs> They're so literal. <laughs>
0: All right. Bakehouseen's house. Okay, good. I wish I'd figured that out five minutes ago. All right, let's do third time lucky. I'm gonna need a drink after this.
1: <laughs> All
0: what right. Before. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, my goodness me. All right. (laughs) I'm going to stop laughing. We'll get there. (laughs) Third time lucky. All right. One,
1: two,
0: three. Absolutely. G'day, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Value Driven Brand Podcast. I am your host, Aileen Day, and today I am joined by an absolutely fantastic and just insatiable Uh, amount of knowledge guest. Her name is Dr. Janine Bakehausen, and she is the owner and founder of the Tech Girls Movement Foundation. And I know every week I say that I've got a special guest, but Janine, ever since I met her, I have been fangirling all over her work and her initiatives and everything that she does in her organisation. And we're going to learn a little bit more about her, but let me introduce her Janine is an OAM that's fine she's that important she's a futurist who believes that existing structures in technology and industry must change in order to serve tomorrow's digital landscape and that our children's future job prospects depend on it I couldn't agree more. Her focus is on leadership, innovation and education to champion Australian tech entrepreneurship and address the necessary rebalancing of gender roles within the traditionally male-dominated STEM, which is science, technology, engineering and maths space. Janine, thank you so much for joining me today. It is so, so awesome. I'm looking forward to learning more about what you do, how you do it, why you do it, Thank you so much for the introduction. I think you went on mute. (laughs) Oh, my God, this is killing me. No. Why? Why?
1: (laughs) That's right, yeah. And I think even, absolutely. Yeah, fabulous. You put yourself on mute? Yeah. No, it would be good. Okay. Ready?
0: Post yeah. um, on the engineering math space. Thank you so much for
1: joining us today, Janine. How are you going? Oh, thanks, Aileen, for having me. I'm super excited to talk to you about all things STEM and advocacy and young people today and value-driven brands, most importantly. I can't I can't wait so you know I've given
0: everyone a little bit of a snapshot as to what you do but I always do love to hear the backstory what got you to uh, creating the Tech Girls Movement Foundation?
1: Great question and I guess I get bored pretty easily to be honest and um and Tech girls came from a passion that I had. I worked with young people for a really long time around giving girls um, awareness and exposure around STEM careers. So particularly in IT, that's my background is in technology. So trying to give young people opportunities to see what their potential is and unlock that, so they can actually solve the world's bi- biggest and most important problems. And so I guess I've been doing it um, part time for a long time, volunteer, um, and that's I guess where the OAM come from. It came from sort of 10,000 hours of volunteering. I guess is one way we can think about it. Wow. And, um, Then I decided to turn into something a bit more substantial and here we are eight years later, which is not bad for a not-for-profit, starting with no capital, no, um, not really a lot other than a real passion, Um, but eight years later, we've got a great team and we've reached more than 10,000 girls across Australia and New Zealand with hands-on programs.
0: That is so amazing. So when you say hands-on programs, what are the kind of programs that you're working on with them?
1: Yeah, mostly it's design thinking. So we go into schools, we run one-day workshops where girls get the opportunity to find a problem they care about in their local community. They research how other people have tried to solve it. They then design their own solution and they build an app and then they they pitch it back to everyone in the audience. And um, we do that over one day, we do it over a weekend, and we also do it over a 12-week period, which we're doing right now. We have about 600 girls across Australia and New Zealand in their fifth week of our 12-week program right now and they're all building up to solve problems in the community they care about. And the beauty of that is they all come from such different places that they all solve such different problems in so many unique and interesting ways.
0: That is so fantastic. And you said so you do Australia and New Zealand and do you find that there's, is there any um, similarities or is there differentiation between, you know, those community uh, challenges and concerns uh, really different between the two countries?
1: Interesting. Um, there's certainly in the last couple of years been a lot more um, talk about mental health and managing our own, um, I guess, anxiety and other, I guess, personal challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, so Certainly we've seen a, note, a, a spike in that. But a lot of the solutions are very uh, Geographically based. So, for instance, we might have a team in New Zealand who have an app to help manage um, if we have a disaster for, say, um, a volcano or um, at some sort of natural disaster, whereas obviously in Australia, we wouldn't necessarily have something quite like that. Um, but then we have, for instance, we had regional girls in North Queensland who created an app to demo sorry, to report domestic violence anonymously in their community because that's what they were seeing every day, you know, in their street and they wanted to do something about it. So it's stuff that young people really care about and they want to find their own way to create a solution for it.
0: Isn't that so fascinating? So this is actually the key to what you do as part of the tech girls movement. It's not just about the fact that you're teaching them how to operate and to, to set up a business or an entrepreneurship, but you're also creating, they are also creating apps to support those um,
1: solutions, aren't they? Absolutely. And it's truly beautiful to see them find something they care about and just run with it. And we don't often get that opportunity in our, in you know, a traditional education system. We're often told the topics we need to study and the problems we need to think about, whereas mm-hmm. the thing that works for our program is the girls get to pick any problem at all they care about, anything at all. We've yeah. had, uh, you know, from having uh, this thing called a shark fin, when you put your hair up in a ponytail and you get this thing down the middle, we had girls wanting to solve the shark fin because they cared so much about it. I don't care. That's great. They're working together. They care. We've got others trying to solve global warming, you know, but got extremes, but it's all about getting them motivated to just do something creative, and and there's no bad ideas, and let's work together on a team, and we can actually make a difference working together.
0: Yeah, I think that's also really important. Is that uh, you know I have an 11 year old, and trying to um, find things that they value outside of you know a PS5. Uh, is always very interesting. It's a it's an activity that you could potentially end up banging your head against a brick wall. And and I know that I have friends, for example, who if they need to, um, or if they want to discipline their child, or if they want to uh, engage their child, trying to find things for them to care about is actually half the battle. So I love that this uh, program really has them tuning in to find for themselves those things that they care about without the judgment, without the judgment. Because, you know, as I mentioned to you last year, I was um, uh, mentoring uh, a group of school uh, children who were doing an entrepreneurial uh, program through their high school at Halebury. And again, I, I found the same thing. You know, one wanted to uh, create a solution around, uh, broken lockers in the school, in the schoolyard. And then another group wanted to create a, um, a, a device of some, some description that would help you, uh, track down lost animals. And then another one, you know, like the hair thing, <laughs> another one literally Hello. made, made a scrunchie that didn't, didn't lose its like form or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, these are very different but they loved it and you absolutely. think you know what Got on you for getting out of your little bubble and finding something that you are and you said the magic word
1: passionate about absolutely and the passion just goes so far i mean our primary school winning team last year they created an app to map out all of the parks across queensland and so uh, children who don't have full abilities can find a park that's suitable for them this is something council doesn't do but we've got 11 year-olds doing it oh my god great right they are and they have a 50-page business plan to match it as well (laughs) to be honest i i help
0: business owners write business plans and that's probably more disciplined than most business owners they have
1: got a better one than I do. My hat already is
0: tipped off to them. That is so phenomenal. And to be able to, uh, you know, to, to put that together and then be able to go to different shires, and uh, and I'm sure that kind of app is transposable no matter where they go. They can use that, that information to, to do the same thing in all different shires to help kids everywhere.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And we have some teams, this is their fourth year in the competition, coming back with new ideas each year, and it's just so exciting to see that it the, the scaffold of the program gives them so many options to just explore new ideas.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Oh, can you see why I love this woman? My goodness, she's so bloody cool. But this well, I do have is, a cape
1: on the wall as well. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, see,
0: there you go. And she's a superhero – you know it.
1: <laughs> All I right. Capes everywhere, ready to go.
0: <laughs> exactly. What do they say? Some some heroes don't wear capes. Look at Janine. Uh, <laughs> but this is the value-driven brand podcast, and Janine, I know that you have got some amazing insights into what you uh, believe and know creates a value-driven brand, and the first one that I want to talk to you about is working above or below the line and knowing where the line is. What does that actually mean for us as business owners, as leaders, uh, as entrepreneurs? What does, that, what does that mean
1: for us? It, for me, it means, and hopefully for you as well, it's about knowing your values, I think, to start with and then making the de- decisions from that point. And I think once you're clear what your values are, those decisions become quite easy. Mm. And as a business owner and a, a sort of operator, um, manager. And, um, I guess to give an example. So at running a not-for-profit, particularly, I have a lot of very challenging decisions to make. And some of them are ethical issues. For instance, you know, if, as a not-for-profit, it's very difficult to raise funding. We have a company that comes for us and says, we're, a, you know, um, a sports betting company and we'd like to donate money to you. Will you take our money? And it's a tough one because we need the money desperately. But, you know, of course, the ethics around that. So we have to do our due diligence and and make decisions like that. And that's ultimately up to me. So every decision I make like that, I have about a thousand people I need to consider. Wow. So I have my board, I have my team, I have um, all of my tech girls in the program, there's 600 at the moment, I've got 150 mentors, all of their parents, all their coaches, their teachers, that whole ecosystem of people. If I, I have to think of all of them each time I make those challenging decisions and I think that's what I mean about the line. It's When you know where that line is, it does become easier to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think as, as um, business owners, we yeah, need to establish what that line is and once you do everything else is far easier.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's
1: those day-to-day decisions.
0: I mean I have a set of uh, business values which are very very closely aligned to my personal values um, and I love I love when I have new uh, or have clients who are new to business and one of the very first things that we do is we set up their brand vision and their brand and business values and they always say what well, I, I don't know what my values are And I always say to them it's as simple as this what? Are your absolute non-negotiables mm-hmm. when it comes to dealing with people? And they're like, oh, absolutely. I don't know. And that's your line, right? That's your yeah, line. that's your line. And and they say, oh, shouldn't it, shouldn't it be harder than that? I'm like, no, nope, that's as that's as hard as it needs to get. And they, you know, even if they need further kind of co- coaxing into understanding what that means, and I say to them, do you want to work with someone who doesn't pay you on time? And they go, well, no, no, I don't want to do that. Alright, okay, cool. Do you wanna do you wanna work with uh people who say they're gonna do things but don't do things? And they're like, oh, ah, no, don't, don't want to work in that. Nothing level. worse. Nothing worse. I said, okay, so um integrity might be a value that you uh enjoy. And they're like, oh yeah, 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 I like integrity. So <laughs> <Love> it. <laughs> and it's funny because I think naturally we don't necessarily uh think like that. We we know the behavior that we don't want to deal mm-hmm. with. But then to articulate that into a word is sometimes where we kind of become a little bit stuck. But I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that makes so much sense because now you have those brand values and you can say, right, well, I know what I'm willing to put up with and that's below the line and I know what I'm willing to uh, work with and that's above the line because of those articulated values that I now have. And, yeah, Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. They are just and I, so important. I, I.
1: absolutely are and I did a little Brené Brown exercise and she has a thing where you identify all your values and I think we had to highlight two of them out of a list of you know I guess to 10 then you get to five then you get to two and I I think mine were courage and kindness and I realize that does come across into the not-for-profit as well and in everything I do I try to come from a place of of kindness and and Mm. but being courageous is really important as well and um and just getting up every day and keeping on going no matter how Good or challenging it is on that particular day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because, you know, to be courageous also can be quite scary.
1: And it's very scary on a daily basis.
0: (laughs) You've got to get past the fear of, you know, and it's interesting. I was actually just yesterday doing a live broadcast and we were talking about playing small. And, you know, obviously, if you're playing small, you're not being courageous. But then the reality is, if you are not being courageous, are you actually fearful of failing or are you fearful Mm -hmm. of being a great success? And the reality is that for many of us were actually unconsciously scared shitless of being
1: a great success because it's Absolutely. more likely that we will. Absolutely. And someone pointed that out to me probably about 15 years ago, exactly what you said then uh, in terms of the scared of success. And I've never even considered it before. And, and the point was, what happens if you are successful? And it's like, Huh, that could be pretty good too. Huh, what a thought! What a change of mindset. And mindset is everything, right? Mindset is literally everything.
0: It really is. And and just to have things reframed for you to make you like you said, you know, you're like, wow, never thought of that. My tiny mind is exploding right now. And and it's interesting because I think there needs to be more of that uh, reframing for people in business and people who are wanting to, you know, help others um, but maybe don't quite feel courageous, you know, so I love that. That's why why I'm starting
1: with girls because I figure if we can get a bit of courage in our young people and help them become critical thinkers and and contribute to the world in a really positive way, I think that's a good start if we can do that from a young age.
0: Yeah. Explain to me, I mean, I know what it means, but explain to us in in your uh, line of work what does critical
1: thinking mean? Um, So one example of critical thinking would be taking old problems and trying to solve them in new ways Mm -hmm. with technology. And and that opens up so many opportunities. And it's about being curious. It's about being scared of failure but doing it anyway. Yeah. It's really, really important. And and I think maybe you guys mentioned later, but something about faking it. Like I think we're all making stuff up. We're all just – you know, trying our best and, and some of us are better at it than others. And I think just, just give it a go. And what's the worst that could happen, literally? And I was talking with people yesterday and they go, oh, I want to do this presentation, but what if no one turns up? It's like, what if no one turns up? So what? What have you lost? You've literally lost nothing. Mm. Um, I had that happen to me last week. No one turned up to a webinar we'd organized with a colleague of mine. I was like, let's do it anyway. So we recorded it. We put it online. It was fine. We wanted to have the conversation. Yeah. And people will get value out of the recording. And who knows when people do turn up what value they'll get. So just give it a go. And I'm a big fan of the 80% rule. Okay, so yes. this is something hopefully you can take back to the office. So 80% rule for me is... As long as you get things 80% right, no one else actually knows about the other 20% that's in your head. Like it's literally in your head. No one knows. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the stuff we worry so much about. Oh, what about that, that stuff we got wrong? No one knows any of that. So I figured just go by the 80%, get it 80% right, and you're doing like 80% um, better. Um, so done is better than perfect, I would yeah, say. <laughs>
0: absolutely. And do you – like 80% I- is good. I um, more so now as a consultant than I probably recognised in my career, um, my corporate career. Mm-hmm. But I notice now that I come across a lot more uh, perfectionists, and part of me looks at mm-hmm. that and I mm-hmm. wonder if it's a, a an entrepreneurial kind of trip hazard where we, if we if we are perfectionists, we never have to release something. We never have to take the next step. We never have to actually have that courage because it's never ready. It's never perfect. So until it's perfect, we're not putting it out there. But to me, I look at that and I go, Well, that's just bullshit. You're
1: just you're just hiding totally. <laughs> Perfectionism is a total myth. You can't have perfectionism. It's actually, I don't think it's attainable at all, Uh, I think. Lower your expectations um, because you're always disappointed. If you're a perfectionist, you're always disappointed because you never get it to be perfect. And what a lot of pressure to put on yourself. Oh, my God. So I think 80%, get it 80% right, get it out there, and and no one else knows about the rest. And that's, I'm I'm a big fan. And people say my work's great, and I figure I do 80%, I'm good with that, you know, probably a little bit more, but I'm good with that.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I even said that the other day. I was doing a um uh I was teaching myself I was teaching myself how to do automations in active campaign. And it didn't look the most (laughs) I know, right? So So exciting. Uh, but it didn't look the way that I wanted it to look in my head, but I knew that I had challenged myself and was holding myself accountable to produce something by a deadline. And I thought, you know what? I've actually already put this off uh, a week. I'm not going to, and I lead. So I lead what's called a Momentum Business Accelerator program, which is a group coaching, um, uh, team, but I always feel this pressure that I can't put things off. I can't let resistance win. I can't let um, myself play small because I am here being paid by other business owners to push them. To do exactly the opposite. So I have to leave by example. And I'd already pushed this back a week and I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I thought, no, I've got, I can't push it back another week. I can't turn up and go, I haven't done it yet. And then they say, well, why not? Because if it was us, you'd be asking questions. And so I sat there the other day and I was like, getting it done. And I was like, oh, this is ugly. And I was like, you know what? It's good enough. It's good enough.
1: Absolutely. Good Have enough. Fun. I like good enough. You know, I'm good, good enough. Good enough.
0: Is better than not at all.
1: Completely agreed.
0: Yeah. And you know, you can always go back and refine it. Just just chill
1: a little bit. <laughs> just get it I done. Think so as well. Don't let it be this is it. And it comes back to understanding your value and, and having mm. that conviction in your value. I think that's so very important. And it's so difficult to get. And that's why it's important to surround yourself with like-minded people, like the people you have in your program or yeah. uh, working together. Because having that community, having that accountability is super important. And, and that works for me. And because I'm usually kind of alone in this space, you know, I have a team, but it, it's sort of, you know, I'm kind of on my own. So I need To surround myself with people like me that i can bounce ideas off and feel comfortable and feel accountable with as well i think it's really important to have that
0: it really really is and it is a game changer when you find people like that that you can put in your circle and and use as a sounding board but also you know some of my um some of my friends for example will uh You know, say, oh, I'm going to do this. And then two months later I'll be like, so how'd that go? And they're like, oh, I didn't get around to it. And I'm like, why Mm. not? You said you were going to do it. Oh, you're not my boss. (laughs) I'm like, I'm I'm your friend. I'm holding you accountable. Why talk shit? Mm -hmm. Either do it or don't talk about it. So I agree. Get stuff done. Yeah, get (laughs) stuff done. My ex-husband used to say, don't try to project manage me. (laughs) 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 I'm like, well, then get it done. (laughs) It won't be a problem. But speaking of the magic word conviction, which I am just a massive fan of conviction because, you know, people uh, as a woman, right, and I'm I'm sure you could attest to this and witness it uh, being uh, said to others and probably maybe even experienced it for yourself, but I get told and especially in uh, past roles have been told that I'm too emotional uh, and I reframe that and I say, I'm not emotional. I'm passionate and I speak with conviction and that scares some people. So conviction and being evidence-based, talk to me about what that means as far as I a value-driven it. brand goes.
1: Yeah, I love that so much. And, um, again, it hasn't been easy to get to the point of having conviction, and particularly with the not-for-profit that I run, I've been talking about this for 20 years. I've been talking about the lack of women in tech for 20 years. I've been researching and running programs for 20 years. I started Tech Girls eight years ago. Um, and so it's been interesting over time to have to firstly convince people that this is important. I don't have to convince them anymore. They know it's yeah. important and why we need women, and why we need diversity. So that conversation's changed. But now it's about getting them over the line, yeah, and to get them over the line and, and keep convincing them I need that conviction in myself to be able to stand up and go, whether you believe it or not, it's true. And that's not an easy thing to do. And I was in a situation recently where I was at a conference and um, I my friend was presenting and I was, it was a bunch of guys, it was a cybersecurity conference, so a typical kind of group of people, small business owners mostly. And um, they had a presentation on stage, which talked about how you could literally make more money, like 35% more money in your business. If you literally hired a woman <laughs> on your team, if you just had some kind of diversity on your team, because it's got 10 guys on a team kind of thing. If you have one woman, you can actually earn a lot more money and the evidence is all there. And so I was chatting to a guy after, conf- after the conference about it and everything was all happy and chatty and then i mentioned this to him and just the sudden change in him and he just sort of stood back a little bit and went oh like i was questioning him and i was like i'm just curious how many women work for you and he just went and i was like i was just curious like it's not a judgment or anything i'm just curious considering what she just said doesn't it make sense that you might want to hire diversity hire a woman to make more money as a small business owner pretty simple no-brainer for me and um this comment back to me was um i don't care if they have a willy or not <laughs> which i hope that's okay to share on here but i just thought it was such an interesting comment this Um, is a sweary podcast
0: you can say penis (laughs) awesome no he he literally said willy so he
1: literally said that so i just was like oh okay well that's not really the point um you know and we just don't want to give women a job for the sake of being a woman it's like we don't want those jobs either just saying we don't want it for the sake of being a woman like but the women are out there and you could make your products better and make your business better and anyway it all kind of went downhill from there and so I was like I was just curious really um but you know it pulls out the card I've got daughters you know I'm married and I was like okay I don't really need to go into all of that just curious how many women you got on your staff and that you might consider hiring them yeah (laughs) so I think the conviction part the the interesting thing where I was getting to with that the conviction was I don't actually care what you say to be honest because it's true and if you don't believe it, you're lost, not mine. And so yeah. I guess I hadn't really ever been in that position before where I went, okay, good luck with that. <laughs> because yeah. um, I've just felt conviction. I was like, you're missing out. I'm sorry, but you're the one missing out. Yeah. Um, and that's your problem and not mine. So um, I'm doing what I can, but yeah. So I think that's the conviction is coming from a place of like, knowing your values and, and having the evidence. And I'm a researcher, like I've got all the stats on all of this. I know what the research says. So that for me gives me that. Well, here's a paper. Here's something you can read. Here's a study. Yeah. Here's this. And, and knowing where to find those and pull them out and say, this is evidence based. Like I've been researching this for 20 years. I know, I know what the problem is. I know how to fix it. And that's what yeah. we're doing. So come along with us for the ride and be part of it or not. And yeah. it's a really nice position to finally be in after begging and, and pleading with people for such a long time. Um, that it's like, actually, no, I think I've got it right.
0: Yeah, I got this. You'll you'll catch up one day. <laughs> totally, it's tough not <laughs> <a>
1: pioneer, right?
0: <laughs> not exactly right. Not not before losing, you know, countless amounts of money and uh, you know, uh, all sorts not, of
1: craziness. Yeah, and, and
0: letting your uh, competitors get in front of you. But that's okay. You do you, boo. That's right. Yeah, to me. <laughs> it's um, it's it's interesting you say that because I remember so when I was. I won't mention which business it was, but I was uh, working in a a relatively big business when uh, diversity quotas came in Uh and it was very interesting to see a number of um, uh, sudden hires of women in mm, high management slash executive roles. And I kind of felt sorry for them because they were amazing, skilled, intelligent, deserving women. and yet because they were hired five seconds after this quota came yep. in, the yep. instant uh, the instant um, perception was that they were only hired because they were women. and it took yep. I, I think it actually did them a disservice because it took them so much more energy to prove, well, yep. if it was a guy, like, no one would have batted an eyelid. But these poor women, what they mean? really had to claw themselves out of this perception and show people that they were absolutely deserving. And they were. They were absolutely deserving of the role. Um, they
1: were already doing 200% as it was. But, yeah, um, absolutely. Know, in terms of what the guys are doing, so, yeah.
0: And, and it's interesting when uh, one of the roles that I got and someone said to me, oh, well, so-and-so was applying for that job. You probably just got it because you're a chick. <laughs> Mate, <laughs> come yep. and say that to my face <laughs> because I, I know that I was the most qualified. But then, you know, to have people then, to, to realise then that people were thinking the same thing about my position as well and I was like, wow, this is savage so there's just so much more work that needs to be done but um I was talking to a client uh, a little while ago and they needed to do, they work in um, marketing and that too is a predominantly male dominated kind of field, uh, oddly, but uh, they wanted to do their recruitment a little bit different and they actually got their PA to scrub all of the um, mm-hmm. potential biases uh, or potentials for bias off all of the applications so they took the applicants' names off, they took any references to their gender off, mm. and they ultimately, great. yeah, <sighs> I was like, oh, my God, that is such a great idea because then it doesn't matter. Did who they hire more men? women in the end? Um, I never actually got to find out who they hired in the end. <laughs> but I thought the Curious, process yeah. itself lends it. itself to a oh. – Are more fair. And if the guy, if a guy got the job, then kudos to him because what that means is that due to the process they went through, that they got the best person for the job. And it doesn't matter if that's a girl or a guy, Um, then, you know, they they did probably more than the average business would do to make sure that they got the best person. So that guy that you're talking to, I'd be like, there's so many other ways to skin the snake, mate. You don't have to. You don't have to be like that.
1: Absolutely. And and part of that exact reason, uh, the exact example you gave is partly why I do the work I do at Tech Girls. Because if we think about artificial intelligence and it's now becoming such a big part of our lives and um, most big corporates now actually put all their CVs through AI first as a first um, sweep. So they'll go through um, an AI system and pull out who the potential candidates will be. The problem is that there's bias built into those AI systems because they're built by guys. And so the keywords that they're looking for are actually was that guys tend to use rather than what that women tend to use. So women are actually getting left out of that whole, you know, the whole, like computers are literally blocking women out, not even, you know, people. So it's yeah. a serious problem. And you think of the exponential sort of impact of those kinds of technologies. So, again, that's what drives me to do what I do, to hopefully get a more balanced workforce So um, in STEM so we can hopefully build better technology that have less bias and are more representative of our society.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. That is so cool. So, talk to me about the last one that you've uh, you've sent through. It says, know the problem you are trying to solve and why you genuinely care.
1: I think that's really been at the key of why TechGirls has been successful, um, and I'm sure like all, any small businesses have challenges. Um, add in a not-for-profit element to that, it has a, another level of challenges. We've had a couple of legal cases come our way, which we haven't instigated. Others have, have for various reasons, which have taken more than five, six years of our not-for-profit life. So oh. we've had all of these challenges. And and through those, I mean, there's a point where my husband said to me, look, is this worth it?
0: yeah.
1: And I really had to think hard about that. And in the end, it was like, well, I cannot get up and stand up in front of a bunch of girls and tell them they should be strong and courageous and powerful and passionate if I'm not doing that myself. So in the end, it's like, I've got to see this through regardless, because regardless of how it turns out, I have to give it my best shot. And if mm. I do and it doesn't work out, I say, yep, okay, that's right. It's not meant to be, but I have to at least give it my best shot. And I did, and it came out okay in the end, both in both instances, but hardest times of my life, but I wouldn't have got through it if I didn't genuinely care. I don't think I would have powered through if I didn't actually really care about what I'm doing. The girls I, you know, that as part of our community. They're so important. They're so incredible to see yeah. them grow. And now I'm seeing we now have girls who've been through our program. They're now going to university. They're now studying STEM at university. One of our girls is doing gender studies at ANU, which I'm so excited about, probably even more than the STEM, to be really honest. Um, then now one of our girls has come back and she's running workshops, a couple of them running workshops for us in school. So it's it's just beautiful to see this whole cycle of life, I guess, that's happened. And again, I don't think that would have happened if I didn't genuinely care. And the girl who, uh, girl, uh, tech girl who's at ANU, she wrote an article for The Guardian recently about her experiences at, at a private girls' school and, um, sort of, uh, that how, like the me too kind of stuff and how oh, yeah. the girls were made to feel because of the male teachers. And it was a really interesting insight that she wrote and she sent me a private message on Instagram and I hadn't spoken to her in like five years. And she said, because of my program, she had the courage to write that article. Um, and Aww. so thank you. And I was just like, wow, this is why I do it. Like, this is why I do it for all these years later that girls now feel they have choices in life. And that's really what it's always been about is about giving girls choices in life.
0: That is so, so phenomenal. And you know, So one of the things that I do with my customers because the majority of my uh, focus and the thing that I care about is customer experience or you might be able to see behind me customer, employee and human experience, which I very mm-hmm. cheekily call the joy of sex. Um, but uh, with my customers, I get them one of the very, after we've figured out their vision and values, is to do a customer experience journey mapping activity with them. And on a customer experience journey map, what we do is we get them to uh, through this no like, trust kind of process of getting to know us, like us, and trust us. And at the point where they trust us, they become advocates, right? And for those who think advocates, basically they want more of us. They love what we do for them so much. They come back more and more time and time mm-hmm. again. Uh, and, you know, so you might think, okay, I'm a runner and I love Nike shoes and I only buy Nike shoes. You are an advocate of Nike, right? So they become advocates and I help the client understand how are you going to create an advocate in your brand, right? And to do that, you have to be value-driven, you have to be trusted, and that is exactly what I hear when you say that. They trust everything that you're doing for them. They feel the genuine uh, care and Authenticity in the programs that you run, but not just because they're, you know, that you're excited by STEM, but because you're excited by them. And what they can deliver in their futures and for the future of others, which is just, oh, makes my heart so happy. <laughs> you know, all I, you about, <laughs> yeah, all I talk about is customer loyalty and, and they are your customers uh, mm-hmm. and and ultimately, you know, you're helping them be able to set themselves up to serve, uh, you know, their communities and, and let's be honest, we're talking technology. Technology is so far-reaching that mm-hmm. if they have that foundation to start with mm-hmm. the 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 world the, the sky is blue for them. And you do that yeah, for them. That's
1: exciting, but it's oh, so exciting. Oh my I'm, now you. I'm tearing up. I know, right? Me too. And, and oh. it's so beautiful when you see it in action and, um, and you know, I I'm, I am don't actually often see it in action because, you know, they're all out in schools, they're all doing the work. Yeah. I see it at the end and, you know, I send them a little video each week so they see me every week but I don't see them every week. Yeah. And, and we have showcases where we all get together and um, so we'll have them in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane in, in September or late August. So And anyone's welcome to come along and meet our girls and see the work they've been doing. And and that's it. The impact that they're going to have on our lives we just don't know yet. Um, so one of our girls, she, she was actually made to do the program as part of her school. It was a subject in school, and she. W- have done it otherwise but she wasn't really interested in technology or STEM <laughs> she um, did the program they actually built a great app to help young people um, prepare for NAPLAN which was awesome oh, and yeah. um, they went to, we took them to Silicon Valley they pitched over there which we would do every year before um, our current craziness when we used mm. to travel and um, she's now working at Atlassian uh, so one of the big tech companies top tech companies in the world just picked her up um, oh, she's one of our goodness. tech girls she would never even done STEM if it wasn't for our program and she's done a video which says this really clearly and says that our program changed her life and she's now now, in her first year at university, she was doing um, research on breast cancer technology and scanning for breast cancer and improving the technology around that. And so, she won like the best undergraduate project in her first year in Australia, and you know, went overseas and pitched that. And but she wouldn't have even done STEM if it wasn't for our program. And now she's actually going to revolutionise the way we do breast cancer technology. So, oh my amazing,
0: goodness! Right? What? A, I mean, look. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. If you've got a daughter. <laughs> Get
1: her, yes, yes, get, get her, her in there. We would love to Now
0: there is, there is actually speaking of advocacy and getting your daughter into, um, into Tech Girls. You've got the Tech Girls competition for Australia and New Zealand coming up, right? The advocacy for critical we thinking. We're actually
1: in the competition right now. Oh, we're
0: in it. Oh, Absolutely. So
1: we're in our fifth week of the 12 week, but we run it every year. So yeah. we'll we come along and see what's happening this year and come to our showcases. And we're calling for judges as well. So any any parents out there or, or any any adults at all would like to help and see what some of our girls are producing. It takes 30 minutes online if you want to donate your time. Uh, but yeah, we're five weeks into the 12 week program at the moment. The girls are head down in research and researching how other people are trying to solve the problem that they're trying to solve at the moment. Um, but we launch on International Women's Day each year on the 8th of March, and then we run in Term Two. So, by all means, prepare for next year and, and see what we're doing this year. And um, let us know in the meantime. Drop us a line on the website, and we can send you a free book. We've got three Girls of superheroes books, and I'll I'll sign your daughter's names and I'll pop them out in the post for you for free. And um, love to just show them that there are cool people out there doing fun things, and they can be part of the great community of sisterhood we have.
0: That is so, so cool. So um, I will organise to make sure that if that rings any bells for you uh, or uh, tickles your fancy that uh, you will be able to find those resources and links on valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. That's valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. And in there you will be able to find this recording as well as the audio and all of the ways that you can get in touch with uh, Janine and find out more about the Tech Girls Movement Foundation. Maybe you're a school. Maybe you think this would just be the bee's knees uh, for your students and, you know... It, just considering the the already amazing things that some of the attendees have gone and been able to succeed in is just a phenomenal, uh, you know, testimonial to the work that you and your team do. But those are also some really, really beautiful insights into what we need to do to create our own value-driven brands they are, and I was just saying, um, I think this is our 28th-ish, 29th, um, maybe, <laughs> um, podcast. No one has said the same thing. It is just so wonderful to share the insights from so many, you know, we talk about diversity, diverse leaders, um, in all different, uh, areas of business and, and STEM and, and industries all over the world. So it is, no different with you Janine you are just an absolute fountain of information and insight and I thank you so much
1: thank you but thank you and I will mention we are also just mentioning with your school Ooh. so we have free workshops for schools so um we we will come to your school anywhere in Australia and we will run a workshop so let us know and we'd love to hear from you
0: that is so cool <laughs> oh my god if you don't get on board with that you're mad you're not STEM Absolutely. you're mad Now, before I let you go, uh, I want to ask you a quick question. So if you haven't Mm -hmm. listened to the podcast before, uh, you might not realize that every guest who uh, comes on is asked to fill out a um, small profile for me so that we can maximize our time together. And uh, one of the questions that I ask every guest to fill out is to tell me what song it is that gets them pumped up for anything. Janine, do you remember the song that you told me gets you pumped up for anything?
1: I think so. And I realize it is a little mellow, but there's just something in the power of the music of this song. It's, um, it's Porcelain by Moby. and uh-huh. It's just something that sits in my heart and it just sings. And um, it's just this most beautiful, beautiful moment in time whenever I listen to it. So, yeah, I think it just gets me in the right headspace to feel I can do anything.
0: I love that. Sorry, you might not be aware, but we have the Alien Day official guest list. Uh, Spotify playlist and every guest that comes onto the value driven brand podcast gets that song that they choose that gets them pumped up for anything added to the Spotify playlist. And you can also access it where you find this uh, recording on valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. So thank you. When this goes live, Moby Porcelain, Porcelain by Moby will be added to the playlist. And thank you for your contribution to our playlist. It's, um, I always say this, it's becoming, it is not becoming, it is so eclectic. We have, uh, heavy metal, we have classic, we have a bit of, uh, 60s, a bit of, uh, pop rock. It's, um, it's a fantastic, I always say, if you can't get pumped up after, uh, listening to this playlist, go and see a doctor. You need more help, all right? All right? Or go back to bed and start again. <laughs> that's my that's my prescription. <laughs> oh, I love it, Janine Bakehausen. You are Dr. Janine Bakehausen. You are a freaking champion. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to share everything that you do. I can't wait to continue stalking you on all your socials and checking out all the amazing things that you do for Tech Girls Movement Foundation. It's just been a joy to have you.
1: My absolute pleasure.
0: Now, that is it from us today, but be sure to join us for the next episode. And until then... Go out into your life. Deliver value to somebody in it or around it because we all know what goes around comes around. I'm Aileen Day. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Value Driven Brand Podcast with your host, Aileen Day. Is your business struggling to become known as the sought-after leader in your industry? Access our Value Driven Brand Quiz and special three-part podcast series to identify the gaps and what you need to focus on first. Go to www.valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. That's valuedrivenbrand.com forward slash podcast series. Tune in next time where we discuss more ideas on how you can deliver your own value-driven brand.